Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 212. Today is Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2016. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah. Greetings to you, no matter what uh, religious uh, tradition you may be celebrating as we round out the end of 2016. In today's episode, I wanted to touch on a topic that a lot of you have asked me about, and that's my experience with a health share versus traditional health insurance. Now, I've been using a health share for quite some time. I've mentioned it in previous podcasts, but I've never really given a critique of my experience with it because, frankly, Although I've been a member of a health share, I've never really had to use the services, and so honestly, I didn't know if it really worked or not. Today's episode, I want to talk a little bit about that. Unfortunately, uh, in past months, one of my family members did become ill, had to go to the hospital, but I did have a very good positive experience with my health share, and so I'll give you some of the details of that. I do want to start out by saying that I'm not a health insurance expert by any means or any stretch of the imagination. I don't claim to be. I'm simply a consumer of health insurance and health care services like all of you are. And so what I'm going to say today is strictly my own opinion and my experience of using both traditional health insurance as well as a faith-based health share program. So I'm assuming that everybody is very familiar with health insurance. You may not be familiar with what a faith-based health share program is. Simply put, health share programs have been put together by particular religious groups to share health expenses within members of their particular faith-based community. Now, right away, some of you may be saying, well, I'm not a member of a particular faith, and so I think that's, you know, prejudiced or, or discriminatory against you. Well, I don't think it is. Let me tell you why. First off, a faith-based health share program, in my opinion, is really no different than the way health insurance used to be conducted prior to, say, maybe around the 1950s or 1940s. If you recall back, before insurance companies became so dominant and the government started getting so involved in health insurance and in delivering health care, individual families were responsible for their own health care needs. And because a catastrophic illness can be more than any one particular family can bear, what people did was they came together, as they always do, in their own communities to create a positive economic outcome. And so if you were a member of a particular guild or a union, like, you know, the Carpenters Union or some type of a guild organization like that, some type of a a maybe even a professional employment group, like maybe a, a group of local dentists, You would come together as that union or that guild or that professional organization and you would create a form of insurance where all the members would agree to pay in a monthly share and then if they were struck with some type of a catastrophic illness, that organization would come in and help to further their medical bills or their health care costs. So if you were a carpenter and you were a member of this particular union and either through a separate contribution or a contribution of your union dues paid into this health sharing program, if you were a member of your family got sick, then that union would come and help you pay your bills. If you go back and study the history of insurance, I think that that's the way a lot of these things got started eons ago. And so today's faith-based health share programs are really just carrying on that tradition of self-organized communities taking care of their own health care needs. Now, again, you may be wondering, well, why these are all faith-based? 
Why aren't they back to a community or a particular employment guild that sponsors these programs? And again, I'm just giving you my opinion, but my understanding of, of the history of this is that federal and state government mandates and regulations, which favored large corporate insurance companies, discouraged or even outlawed the practice of these previously established health share programs. And the only people that were really able to get around or Um, you know, maybe skirt the rules or regulations on this were faith-based programs. And that's because they claimed a First Amendment right to the ability to have a health share, not for economic reasons, but for religious purposes. Now, again, that's my understanding of it. I could be wrong, but that explanation makes sense to me. And so currently, it's my understanding that health share programs of any nature, whether they're faith-based or not, are prohibited from being organized Again, I may be wrong on this, but my understanding is that there are only four of these that are grandfathered in, and I'm not going to get into who all these are because I only have experience with one of them. The program that I chose is Liberty Health Share. I'll put a link in today's show notes, but you can find more information about them at libertyhealthshare.org. Before I tell you specifically about my experience with them, some of you may be wondering, well, why would you want to use a health share at all versus just traditional health insurance? In my particular case, it's about freedom of choice as well as economic reasons. And I'm not going to go into the whole freedom of choice side of it, but let's talk about the economic reasons because this is what most of you are going to be curious about. So let's step back a couple years before the Affordable Care Act was passed, and that's that's the Obamacare for those of you that are not familiar with the, the actual name of it. But before we had the Affordable Care Act, I had private health care insurance because I operated a small business And my health insurance was not provided to me by a big corporation or by my employer because I was my employer. I was self-employed. My insurance company was Humana, and I had a catastrophic high deductible plan through them. Basically, what that means is that myself and my family paid a premium of about $500 every month, and then we were responsible for any of our health care costs up to a deductible, which I believe was around $10,000. So if one of my kids had an ear infection and I had to take them in for a doctor's visit, that was not covered by the insurance. There was no copay. I just had to pay that out of pocket. Likewise, if I wanted any type of preventative care or to receive an annual physical or if my kids needed a physical to to play a particular sport or something like that, or they needed immunization to go to school, all that was paid for out of pocket. The insurance company didn't reimburse me for anything until my medical costs exceeded my deductible, which again, I think was somewhere around $10,000. That's basically a catastrophic plan. It doesn't really kick in unless something serious occurs. And that's the way I think health insurance should operate. I believe that if individual consumers were paying 100% out of pocket for all of their daily little maintenance type of health care needs, then they would be more judicious about their health care expenses and purchases, and that would cause more of a competitive environment to occur within health care providers, and that would bring the cost down for all of us. This is much the way car insurance works. Yes, it's true that the government mandates people that own a car and drive to carry car insurance, but that car insurance doesn't pay for routine maintenance of your car. If you need new tires or new brakes, or if your car needs an oil change, your car insurance isn't going to pay for that. That's pretty much the way the old types of health insurances used to work. 
And I think they were a better system. I think they were better when people were making these decisions for themselves than when the government and when big corporations and employers stepped in and started making those decisions for people. Because now health insurance and health care is looked at as a benefit. It's looked at as a cost that someone else should pay. And so the individual consumer doesn't have an incentive to shop around and get the best price they can because they think it's somebody else's responsibility to pay for it. And like all things, whenever someone else is paying for it, you're not concerned about the cost. No, but I digress. In any case, so I used to have my own private policy that was a high-deductible catastrophic plan through Humana. Now, once the Affordable Care Act was passed, about a year later, Humana canceled my policy because it didn't conform to the mandated requirements that were required by the Affordable Care Act. Now, again, I'm not an expert on this. I'm not sure exactly what all those mandates were. But for example, under my old plan, if I wanted an annual physical, I had to pay for that out of pocket. If I needed some type of psychiatric counseling, like uh, for a drug and alcohol addiction, well, my plan didn't pay for that because I chose not to sign up for it. Likewise, my wife wasn't covered for things like maternity expenses because I chose a catastrophic plan that didn't cover those things because my wife and I were in our 50s. We've already had our family and there was no way that she was going to get pregnant again. Prior to the Affordable Care Act, I was able to choose those things. I was able to get a catastrophic plan that offered choice and I could select what I wanted and in the services that I didn't want. I didn't think that I needed drug and alcohol counseling services because I don't drink alcohol, nor do I use addicting drugs. I didn't think that I needed to pay for maternity coverage because my wife was not going to become pregnant. See, these were all choices that I could make as a consumer prior to the Affordable Care Act. Now, once that was passed, the government mandated what insurance policies had to provide. And there's a whole laundry list of all the medical services that have to be covered. Whether you need them or want them, that's irregardless. Your health insurance company is mandated to provide those to you, and so consequently, you as the consumer have to pay a higher fee. And so that old policy that I had through Humana, it was discontinued, and to get similar coverage with all those extra mandates, that first year, my insurance premium went up by over 50%. But it was still a high deductible. I was still paying well over $10,000 out of pocket before anything was covered by the insurance company. The next year, the premiums went up even higher. And so I haven't checked on it lately, but pretty much that $500 a month policy that I used to have today would cost something like $1,000 a month and I would have over a $12,000 deductible that I would have to pay out of pocket before the insurance company kicked in on anything other than like annual physicals. Now, to me, that was ridiculous. And so I looked for other solutions, and that's how I found Liberty HealthShare. With Liberty HealthShare, I was able to find something that was very similar to my old high-deductible catastrophic policy, but actually the good news was it wasn't anywhere near as high of a deductible. In fact, under my old Humana plan that was around $10,000 out-of-pocket deductible, the Liberty HealthShare plan that I signed up for had a family deductible of only $1,500. And my monthly expense was right at $500. I'm actually paying less than what I would have paid for with a, a Humana plan, say, you know, four or five years ago. For about $500 a month, and actually I think it's less than that. I, I 
not, again, this is not a commercial for them. You'll have to go to the website and see exactly what it would be. But I think it's about $450 a month. And that's because I'm over age 30 and I'm under 65. I can get family coverage. That's for me and my wife and any number of children. In my case, I still have two children at home that I'm responsible for. Now, what's different about this, remember, this is a faith-based health share program, meaning that all those rules and regulations and laws that apply to insurance companies do not relate to a health share, meaning that they're really not guaranteeing me any services. Every month, I willingly contribute that $450. It's not a premium. It's just a, a share. I'm willing every month to contribute $450 to the organization. And from that, they pay out the medical expenses of other members that have agreed to do the same thing. Now, for my $450 a month, Liberty Health Share has taken me into their community. They'll pay one annual doctor visit a year out of that. And they will cover my medical expenses up to a million dollars per incident after I pay that first $1,500. It's not guaranteed. It's not mandated by law. It's not any type of legally binding health insurance policy. It's just a health share faith-based agreement. My goodwill to contribute that $450 every month and their goodwill to pay my medical expenses should I need them. It's that simple. The government doesn't mandate it. The government doesn't control it. The government doesn't audit them. It's simply an agreement between two consenting parties. Now, because of the way the rules are, it has to be faith-based. Like I say, in the old days, you could have done this through your carpenter's union or through your professional organization that you belong to. But all of those have been put out of business by big corporate insurance and the way the laws have been written to favor those big companies. So the only people that can exist to do this are these four faith-based programs that are currently grandfathered in and, and are still in existence. And the way the whole program works is just a mutual trust. As far as Liberty Health Shares program, it's a Christian-based health share that's run by the Mennonite Church out of a particular congregation in Ohio. Okay, I live in Utah. I don't live in Ohio. I'm not Mennonite, but I am a Christian. And to join this community and be part of it, all you have to do, and again, this is my understanding of it, is the process I went through. You just have to fill out an application, which is similar to what you'd expect from a, a normal health insurance type policy. They're going to ask you your age, how many family members. I think they maybe ask some, some uh, basic lifestyle questions like maybe what your weight is and if you use alcohol or if you smoke cigarettes. I, I think the only restriction they have is that you, as far as lifestyle, is that you have to be a non-tobacco user. And I don't think that has to do with the faith-based part of it. I think that's more of a, a health issue. If you're a heavy smoker, they're, they're not going to take on your medical bills. So for the most part, you affirm to them that you're a Christian believer and there's no restriction on what the denomination is or you know what particular brand of Christianity you practice. You don't have to get a letter from your pastor or anything like that. Simply your word saying that, yes, I'm a Christian and I hold to the Christian faith and to live by you know, generally accepted uh, Christian norms. And then I believe as long as you're a non-smoker, you can enroll in the program, and you can even enroll if you have existing health conditions, as long as you declare them, and uh, there's a phase-in period. And again, I'm not a specialist on this. You have to go to their website or talk to them to see specifically what that is. But, but basically, my understanding is, is that if you have a pre-existing condition, and they agree to accept you into the community, 
then the first year they would only cover maybe like 30% of that pre-existing conditions, fees, and you know that's phased in over a period of three years. So by the third or fourth year, you're 100% in the program and, and they cover all your medical bills. But for those first maybe two or three years, if you have a pre-existing condition, they're going to make you pay for a portion of that type of care. Now that sounds a little complicated, but it's not unfair. I mean, if you're coming into them with heart disease, and you've never paid anything into the system before, it would be very unfair to people that are already in the system that this health share would immediately come in and, and you know take care of your heart transplant when you weren't a prior member of the program. So that makes sense to me, and I think it's very equitable. Now, as far as my own particular situation, we don't have pre-existing conditions. We're not on any type of um, you know, long-term pharmaceutical care. You know, I don't have diabetes. I don't have heart disease. We don't have cancer. My family has been very blessed with good health. My wife has only ever been in the hospital when she's had children. I personally have only ever been in the hospital when I had to have emergency gallbladder surgery a few years back. Uh, our children have, have never had to spend a night in the hospital other than colds and strep throat and ear infection. Uh, I think one of our kids broke a, broke a collarbone at one point. But other than that, we've been a very healthy family. And so we just don't have medical bills. And a program like this really makes a lot of sense for us. And does it work? Well, so far it's worked for me. And that's what I wanted to report to you about. A few months ago, my son had a severe pain in his right side. We weren't sure what it was. You know, perhaps it was appendicitis or something. So here's the experience. We check into the emergency room. They ask us, do you have health insurance? And the answer is no, I do not, but I do have a health share. And here's my card. Now, again, this was my first experience using this. I didn't know how it was going to work. The particular hospital that we went to, they were familiar with health shares. They took the card. They scanned it just like they would if it was an insurance card. And they said, thank you. And that was it. My son saw a doctor. They gave him morphine for the pain. They gave him an MRI, determined that it was a kidney stone, that it looked like it was getting you know close to being passed. It wasn't life-threatening. They gave us a prescription for some things to help him pass it. That was the end of it. We went home. He eventually passed it. He didn't have to have a follow-up visit. He didn't have to go back to the hospital. He didn't have to see a urologist or anything like that. So it was just a matter of paying for the services that we received for being in the emergency room for a few hours, getting the morphine and the MRI. Now, with all healthcare-related things, it took forever to get a bill. You know, it was about two months later that we got the bill. The initial bill was just under $5,000. The bill did not come to me. It went directly to Liberty HealthShare, just like it would if they were an insurance company. Now, Liberty HealthShare has agreements with hospitals about what is a legitimate, uh, you know, reasonable expense for certain types of services. And so they, I guess, went back and said to the hospital, well, $5,000 is too much. We think it should only be, you know, X number. And they negotiated that out and the bill got reduced from $5,000 down to, I don't know, right around, call it $2,500. Of that, I was responsible for the $1,500 family deductible because up to this point, we haven't had any other type of medical expenses. And so I pay my $1,500. Liberty pays you know, whatever it is, $950, $970, the hospital gets their $2,500 or, you know, $2,450, whatever the agreed upon amount was, and it's done, it's over. I did not have to do any negotiation. I did not have to deal with the bill collection at the hospital. I didn't have to do any of that. We simply scanned our card. We went home. We got the bill from Liberty. They took care of everything. It was that simple. In my experience, it was even easier than dealing with a traditional health insurance company. 
And so as far as a health share versus a traditional insurance company, I can only speak to my experience with Liberty HealthShare. I can only uh, speak to my experience on this one occasion. But it's gone extremely smoothly. I'm extremely happy I have a health share. I think the services that I've received from Liberty HealthShare have been extraordinary. I would recommend them to anyone. Your experience may differ. I think that the risk is there that they could go out of business, they could fold. You know, they're not an actuarial type insurance company that has to provide me with the services. So that is a risk. Uh, the risk is also there that the, the hospital may not accept it. The hospital may not agree to the negotiated price with, with Liberty Health Share. Having said all that, I think that when you're dealing with a health insurance company, they could likewise go out of business. You've seen all the companies that have folded under Obamacare and have either really raised their premiums highly or have uh, dropped out of the, the system altogether. And so personally, I think the risk-reward of using Liberty Health Share is well within reason. It's an organization that's been around for over 20 years. They're serving something like 100,000 members. They appear to have a very good system in place, and it seems to work very efficiently and to be able to operate on a very low overhead. So I say hats off to them. Congratulations. I'm glad I'm a member of that community. For those of you that want to take more of a responsibility for your own health care type costs and you think that these things should be handled more on a community basis and not necessarily on a big corporate insurance or a government mandated basis, this might be a program that's good for you. I'd encourage you to look into it. Again, you do have to be a Christian and to live by those principles. They do have the right to deny you service because they're a private organization and that you may have a higher cost to share if you have a pre-existing medical condition. If you're okay with all those things, then I think you should check it out and see if the programs that they offer for you make sense for your family. Again, there's different uh, levels. I, I just talked to you about what I have. I have the premium service. There's more of a basic service. They have services for individuals, for couples, for families. It's run a lot like a traditional insurance company, but I think it's run better. Well, hey, there you have it. That's my experience. On this Christmas Eve, I hope that you're able to take some time off of work, be with those that you love, and have an opportunity to relax throughout the end of the year. I'll do my best to get a couple more episodes in over the next week to answer some of the questions that you've had. 